Canine Owls. Welcome to Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Krista. And I'm Rachel. And this week we are, we've got the, what is it? The King of... Like the King is Scared. Is that what we came up with? I think that was our classy title. Yeah. Basically like the King of Horror is Afraid, you know? So Stephen King, get it? King. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Is, sorry, I'm like really loopy today. Um, He writes... Maybe people know this. You probably do if you're an avid reader. He writes a lot of reviews on a lot of books. All in all, he cannot be trusted with his reviews. I, I'm gonna say I don't it. trust it. Mm-mm. He's a terrible reviewer. Like, There's no way he could read all these books that he says he's reviewed. Like all these like one-liners. I wonder, like, did he really read these books? Like, I was actually thinking about this when we were talking about this topic. I was like, how does he have the time when he writes his own books and lives his own life? Does he just spend all of his other time reading other people's books so that they can get a tagline from Stephen King? Probably. I mean, he probably gets them for free and he's not doesn't have a 40-hour job. He probably like, reads quickly too. Yeah. So I guess. I guess it seems a little preposterous to me, but I mean, yeah. But maybe. I've been, I don't know his life. I've been disappointed in many a review he did. But you know, we just went for it on this one. And I think this review that he gave for the book is like kind of okay. Um, I did see though on a couple because there's like a couple different cover varieties of the book that I read and some of his quotes slightly changed so I think that was a longer quote that he gave and then people are just kind of like picking it Mm. so his quote for this one well I guess I have to tell you what the book is because he put it in the name so I did The Troop by Nick Cutter he says the troop scared the hell out of me and I couldn't put it down this is old school horror at its best so I was excited about that. Um, I think I thought about doing this one like last year when we did like our horror one, but a lot of the reviews talk about how like gross and disturbing the book is. And so I didn't, and it is disturbing. That's, they were right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like another mm-hmm. one of the reviews mm-hmm. on the back. I don't know who this person is. Scott Smith says it's lean and crisp and over the top disturbing. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, so, to all of the above. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Could not agree more. So this book okay. takes place on like a little island in Canada. Um, it doesn't say on the back where it is, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I know I said it wrong the entire time reading it. doesn't matter. It's like, so there's like this tiny little kind of um, beach town. And then there's, it's, so it's a group, it's a troop, like a Boy Scout troop, but it's Canadian. Oh, okay. So they're just, they're scouts, I think. And every year, Scoutmaster Tim takes the boys that are in this, like, they're all aged 14. So, like, whenever his scouts hit 14, he, every year he takes them to this little wilderness and it's this island. And they have to take a boat in, they get dropped off, and the boat just comes and picks them back up in two days. So, okay. that's what, so that's what happens. That's where we start is the boys are going to be going and doing this. But we really start with there's this guy and he comes in the diner and he's just, like, ravenously hungry. And he eats four of those, and I think like roadside diner, big old plate, eggs, hash browns, 19 meats, whatever. That's like exactly the- what I was imagining. Like yeah. a diner. He eats four of them and is like mm-hmm. still hungry, but then like leaves. I don't remember why he leaves. Um, I think there's like a part of him because like we're like in his mind while he's like reading. And also we're like mm-hmm. jumping over to the mind of like the waitress who's just kind of grossed out that he ate this much food. Like, and like he so like in his mind he was like this isn't normal like I shouldn't be this hungry 
And so he like leaves and he gets on a boat. He like steals a boat. This whole time he's just like talking about this like hunger. Like he has to eat. But while he was like eating those four plates, he had like already eaten so much before that that he rips his stomach lining open. And like his stomach is like spilling into his body. This is chapter one. This is like page three. Yeah. Is it really graphic in the way it describes these situations? Oh yeah. Uh, I got sweaty mouth like 20 times oh yeah like you know where like something happened you're just like eh. yeah uh, i get you yeah fought back gagging probably 10 20 times and it's disgusting and if that's what horror is i don't know how i feel about horror help me horror. out so <laughs> he gets on this boat he like steals this boat for whatever reason i don't remember why he he like has some like madman reason in his brain why he does this and he like starts heading for an island because there's a light on the island because so the scouts are like in the vessel they're 14 year old boys there's five of them and they're like in the bunk beds or whatever like telling their scary stories and scoutmaster tim is on the porch like having a whiskey so he's also a doctor he's like the only doctor in this tiny little town that kind of matters um but so he's got like a little lantern he like goes shuts off the generator turns off the lights um but he like had thought that he heard a boat coming he was like that's mm-hmm. weird like nobody like should be coming out here but there's been a storm so they almost had to cancel the trip because a storm was coming in and so he's like oh maybe like for some reason like somebody from the mainland thinks the storm is going to get worse and they're going to come pick him up because that was the plan is that if the storm got really bad the guy who like has the boat is going to come pick him up early seems fair and he's like oh that's weird you know because he brought a radio like a little shortwave radio which he didn't even want to do because he's very much like no cell phones no radio so nothing no contact with the real world we are here for the weekend doing this thing but he had brought it for safety you know which is smart um but he was like no like they wouldn't have just like sent the boat over if it was the storm like they definitely would have just like called on the radio that's weird um so like shuts off the light and everything and then doesn't hear the boat he doesn't think much of it and then like this the guy the super hungry guy like makes it to shore and is like walking up and scoutmaster tim is like hey bud like the fuck you doing on our island here and then he like had like turned like his little lantern back on and is like this guy is like sickly like he is super thin everywhere but his gut and it's like his stomach is like protruding and hard because it's just filled with so much stuff like clearly he is sick something is going on gross and so much Tim is like, hey, like stay out here. He's like, I can't let him in with the kids. Like, that would be bad. And you're like, you'll do that be really bad. But sick. And then he so he decides to like, he's a doctor. I have to help this guy. I'm like, you should not do that. This is a bad idea. Do not, no, no, I do not recommend this outcome. Uh so he does. And so he like goes in and like one of the boys. So like the boys, there's Kent, who is like kind of the leader because he's the biggest and the tallest and the meanest and his dad is like the cop or the sheriff whatever of the town so they're like extra like macho macho fierce for women and whatever never show weakness kind of people and then there's uh max and ephraim which are like their best friends like before all of this like they've been mm-hmm. best friends like their whole lives basically um there's shelly who is a sociopath and then there's oh, Newt, who is like a chubby kid, super like kind, soft-hearted. Aww. He actually enjoys getting all of his badges. Like they always are making fun of him because he goes out and he gets like his foraging badge and he like knows what mushrooms are safe to eat and shit like that. 
and they're like wow loser and he's like okay whatever like just such a good kid like when he becomes an adult he's gonna be great the best adult Yeah. yeah it's just a rough time for him right now and so kent is like trying to be like he's also taken to starting calling adults by their first name so he doesn't call him scout master tim because i'm tim Ooh. so he's like hey tim what's going on out there tim's like stay the fuck inside guys like don't hug him out and he's like, no what's going on tell me right now and he was like somebody is here on the island like he came on a boat he's sick i need to help him and they're like oh what meh, meh, meh. and he was Children. like so like tim like like go to bed leave me the hell alone so he gets the guy and he like lays him on the couch or whatever um but the guy like coughs like phlegm up on tim Ugh. which is like gross and it's like on him and he's just like Ugh. oh so i'm like, disgusted tries to like clean himself off but then he can like feel it as you know like you can just feel those things where it's you're just like, like it's residual yeah like when somebody talks about lice and your head scratches like kind of like that and so then the next morning so he like the guy like sleeps on the couch i think he like hog ties him. well not hog ties him but he like ties his like hands in his feet because he's like i don't really trust this guy because i was gonna say guy, hog tie seems extreme but yeah well because the guy also came smashed the radio because tim was like okay like come in and he was gonna radio and be like hey i got like this rando on my island this is weird mm-hmm. and homie just smashes the shit out of the radio so he's like i don't really trust him all that much so he, like, oh. ties his, his hands in his feet and like goes to bed whatever and then in like they wake up the next day and like half of their food or something like that it's just like there's eat it's eaten like bags are just ripped open and you're like what the heck because homie was tied up so he did this what's going on mm-hmm. and then tim like gets all the boys outside like away from the sick guy and it's like hey like something is going on because like tim like thinks he like saw something like crawling under his skin in his stomach while he was examining the guy and he's oh. like, this guy's like really sick. Like, I need to do a surgery. Like, I need to cut him open and see what's going on. Which, don't do that, Tim. This is a bad idea. What is he doing? Oh my God. He has a lot of reasons for it. He's like, I have a pocket knife. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has like a bigger knife. It's like slightly he's bigger like, than a pocket knife. Oh, good. I was worried. And so he is like, hey, Max, your dad is a taxidermist and is like runs the like, um, don't ask max <laughs> the um oh shoot what's it called the mortuary or whatever oh like a yeah like the crematorium the yeah oh. so he's that's what he his, the dad does and he was like so like you come help and max is like that seems weird and newt's like really like adults aren't supposed to ask kids for help and you're like exactly newt my dad yes. works for the faa but no one's ever asked me to help land a fucking plane <laughs> well i'm gonna ask you next time now i know that you can like what the hell <laughs> um and so he like takes him in and he's like put like he, like puts like rubbing alcohol or something like on like the shirt and he's like cover your mouth and your eyes mm-hmm. if he's covering his eyes why is he coming in to help you that useful, whatever. not make sense at all to me but whatever so they like cut this guy open like he's like okay i gotta like see whatever and like cuts him open and of course everything just starts like spilling out because like his stomach lining is already ruptured and everything and like the guy had been eating like ripping up parts of this like couch that he's on and like eating it like foam yeah basically and then he sees like there's like this white thing and he's like that's really weird like that shouldn't be like his lung or his liver or whatever like did i cut in the wrong spot like that's weird no not nah, i don't know and then something pops out of him i think like that alien movie that's like yeah. Out the stomach. yeah 
like pops out and then goes back in and so they're like uh what but tim is like freaking out because also tim has lost a bunch of weight all of a sudden like literally oh, so from he's like, like do i have it yeah so like from like the night before to like now it's probably like five pounds or something that he's gone and like it's very a clear lot. that he is getting like sickly and so max is like tim 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 like eh, look because this thing that was inside him has now like crawled up the guy and freaking ties its body around the man's neck and kills him like straight oh my him. god yeah and then so then like tim like what the worm alien thing open and like a bunch of brown bullshit comes out so that's all icky and gross so then go back outside and like the boys were supposed to go on like this big hike today it was they were supposed to go, like this final big hike badge thing and tim had planned to go with them but he lied it was like hey like no you like you were gonna go do it all by yourself that was the plan all along you guys are doing because you're gonna come back you're gonna have all these badges because you did all this stuff by yourself go leave because tim is like kind of freaking out and he's like okay like when they're gone he's like maybe i can see if i can get the guy's boat running but then the spark plugs have been pulled and he's like that's weird like why would this Hmm. guy pull the the spark plugs out of this boat like what what the hell where are they he ate them he ate them yeah but like oh weird though right like why is he eating like why yeah just the spark plugs like nothing else of the boat is very specific yeah it's important later um but so then the boys go on the hike all these things happen randomly at this point like while they're on the hike this like black helicopter keeps like coming in and like over but like none of the boys are like waving like hi help we have a sick dude on our island and i'm like sketch like we should be more concerned about the fact like the- at first i thought i was reading it wrong like because nobody uh-huh. seemed to care none of these boys at all seem to care about this helicopter that just like whoop, pops up into their vision and drops back out i was like am i hallucinating in this book what is going on weird yeah and so then they get back and uh tim has lost like 20 pounds at this point and they're like okay he clearly has the sick whatever this guy has like he has it and so kent being the old macho guy or whatever is like we gotta lock him in the closet like he's gonna get us sick we gotta do it and nobody really objects and so he does it he goes like gets a little blood lock and locks it and none of the boys think to like ask for the combo like only he knows it and oh, then no. he's like feeling all like super macho man and he's like i'm gonna take a swig of this whiskey which tim had been drinking off of earlier during that and like one of the i think it's shelly the sociopath is like but i was like hey yeah no don't because he like saw something floating above it that like he is now ingested so basically and all of so the book is broken into three parts so like that is like probably the first half-ish of part one. Mm. So like other parts, so kind of like the rest of the book is just this one weekend, basically. Or it's like, it's wow. like five days, I think maybe. Because like the people don't come back when they're okay. supposed to for them. Um, but then you like randomly get these like interviews of like, there's so like, there's like a doctor, something happened, there's these interviews. And then there's like, an article or a book or something being written about this event and so you're getting like little like excerpts out of the book that was written throughout mm. um i am going to tell you what it caused all of this because i think it adds to the grossness of the story and then people can decide if they want to read it because it was not in any of the reviews that i heard or that i read mm. until like after i finished the book that i found some people talking about it got it worms 
like tapeworms straight up worms basically what it is is that this dog yeah which is you gross creepy crawly is this doctor was trying to perfect the perfect diet pill and he came up and the plan was that it was going to be a uh it was a two pill system so you take the one which has the tapeworms and then once you've hit your desired weight you take the other pill and it's supposed to be this like antibiotic that'll flush them all out yeah yeah except on their first human trial which was the hungry man they did not stay in the digestive tract like they're supposed to that's the biggest issue with tapeworms isn't it they went everywhere and they're worms they go places yeah and so then you learn that like these worms are like super smart worms like they evolved or they did something and so there's like two different kinds so there's one that is absolutely everything so also like normal tapeworms do not eat the host organs usually no these worms do so like they start eating kidneys and liver like they're taking absolutely everything that they can and so there's those ones that are doing that and then the other ones are the like they're like controlling the host and so like at one point like towards the end like you get this like euphoric like you think you can do anything and so like they're the ones that are like trying to get the human host into enough to go infect another human host. oh got like it the worms are like doing trying this. to push you to do it i mean it's just survival you know yeah, it's basic so, biology mm-hmm. but like the way that they've like adapted to be able to control the body it's really that part's really cool you're like oh science fun and then they like talk about i mean yeah science cool but like the whole worm eating your insides and and then pushing you to and it's like in a matter of like hours so like you get like one of them gets in you and like the they um what should i call it they like multiply super duper quick and stuff like that and they can like work together and stuff and so yeah it's like within like hours you are like ravenous and like you deteriorate really quick other parts of the book that we're discussing so like that part is just like ew gross i was like eating at one point while reading don't recommend that that was nasty no but then um shelly shell who is the sociopath likes to kill animals and like in a torture-ish way so like at one point they're literally describing how he is like ripping the legs off of bugs just to watch them squirm there's five pages trigger warning here of a cat murder which i did not read so it like if you choose oh. to read this book and you want to skip it it does say like in there and he's like oh yeah when he killed trixie the kitten his mom adopted and i went nope and i turned the page and i jumped to the bottom and i was like oh still on trixie next page it was like five pages i literally would just jump to the bottom oh and be my like, god i yeah. hate that i was like well, i don't think we need this many pages devoted Seems unnecessary to yeah. yeah and so like that was super gross and so like it was just it, i do not think it was scary it didn't scare me at all i mean i guess maybe like if you're worried about being infected by things like this book would terrify you i just thought it was fucking gross it gave me but to be fair mouth. a lot of stephen king's stuff is like that too where That's it's not true. really scary it's just like unsettling that's true yeah and like in the beginning like before you even like knew that it was worms which is why i'm telling y'all it was worms so i guess i should apologize if i ruined this by knowing but i think even once i knew it was worms i probably guess because it's like you're literally it they're seemed like about worms i was just not like, sure if it was alien or not crawling in the skin and like seeing them crawl 
like, I'm like creeped out already. Yeah, it gives you the heebie-jeebies a bit, and you're just like, Ugh. so I'm giving the book three and a half out of five because one is disgusting, so it loses <laughs> it. Uh, two, five pages of cat murder, unnecessary. Three and a half get- feels generous. Not gonna lie. The only reason it came back up though is because so I said it was in the three parts. The last third is great. Like it's way less okay. gross. One, I guess, partially because we already kind of know that they're worms, and we know yeah, what they're the gonna, stuff. We know what they're gonna do. Like as more people are getting infected, and like True. how and like really, it's just now we're learning about the worms themselves, and like because like you'll hear the scientists kind of talk about how these worms are super smart and everything, and then you'll see what those worms do, like mm-hmm. how they like go find a new host, how they do these things, like that. It's less gross then. Um, things progress quickly there's like some foreshadowing that you're like what's gonna happen like is this person gonna die like i thought they were dead what's going on oh my gosh like so like that was really cool and then the fact that these are like so they're 14 year old boys but then you also like partway through like start realizing that they're basically being forced into being adults and they're having to make these really tough decisions and they're like thinking things through like you can see them growing and like the couple days that this book spans like you can see it like if they survive i'm not saying if anybody does or not if they were to survive you're like you are forever changed because like you shouldn't have to think about like stuff like that like those are adult thoughts you shouldn't have to have adult thoughts like that yeah so like that was really cool to watch but yeah like the last third ish i guess of the eh, i think it's honestly probably only the last like 100 150 pages that part three comes in but like that part was so good like okay it made up for some of it you have to for you have to get through so much ick and so much gross yeah i feel that worms i'm grossed out yeah just listening about it but he has a ton of books so he is like i don't think he's new anymore at this point but i think when he wrote this one he was a little bit newer um but he has like a whole bunch of like horror type of books like this, which are probably all just kind of that like unsettling, really icky. Gonna fuck with your brain, icky, gross book. Um, I might huh. read another one of his, maybe. I'll probably might being the keyword. If I do, I'm definitely gonna dig through the reviews a lot, lot more. Because if yeah. I had known that it was worms. I might not have picked this one because I was doing this one in one of his other ones or a totally different book, I guess. But yeah, it wasn't until like after I was reading, I was like halfway through that I was like, what did I get myself into that I went back looking for reviews? And that's when I finally saw one where it was like, nobody wants to talk about the fact that it's worms. Also, you do discover that within the first like quarter of the book. So I'm really not spoiling much that it's worms. I'm only spoiled that they managed to evolve into very smart worms. But yeah. Well, I guess if that's your thing, read yeah. that book. Yeah, that's if, if you're like the unsettling, and some people do. Yeah. I don't particularly. A lot but... of people loved it in the reviews. Like the people who love it, love it. So yeah, if you want to feel unsettled, read it. If you want something that's going to keep you up at night, unless things like that freak you out, you probably won't. Yeah, not scary in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Mine was not scary in the traditional sense either. I thought it was interesting though. So the the book that I picked was Broken Monsters by Lauren Bukes. I don't know. Somebody called it the thriller of the year. I disagree. But 
to be fair, I literally couldn't get to the end. That's true. I mean, maybe you didn't get to like the really thrilling part of the book. Maybe. So because I could not get myself to the end, um, I'm going to talk about what this book is about and why I did not get to the end. Okay. (laughs) Um, So Stephen King did do a little like review on this um, on the book. It says scary as hell and hypnotic. I can't necessarily agree with any of that, although I did think it's funny. He used the term scary as hell on mine and yours. It said like scared as hell. Scare the hell out of him. Yeah. He definitely the has, so like, he basically has like one line that he just repurposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe he has a ghostwriter write his reviews for him. Probably. <laughs> I mean, it takes takes it. some of the genuineness though out of it. You know what I mean? Considering yeah. how many he does, and then he basically uses the same wording. And also anyways, like, looking for all of these, there is definitely a theme among his reviews for the scary ones. There are different yeah. and it's like per because he like does like thrillers and stuff. Like he'll write reviews on those, right. but but, but like we are talking about, you know, kind of similar, you know, mine is also unsettling. So that does fit like with Stephen King's interest levels. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously in his free time, that's what he reads too. I, well, you know, I bet it's not what he reads in his free time. I bet this is something he does for his job. He gets paid to do it. So mm-hmm. um, anyways, so what my book was about, um, I will say there were some graphic parts. There's obviously there's murder involved. Um, there's like mutilation of animals involved. There's uh, definitely a lot of mental health at play here. There's a character. I'm not sure if they're schizophrenic or possessed or what. Um, it's, it was too confusing. So one of the reasons that I had a hard time getting to the end of this book was that, so I got through about half of it and then I switched to audio and then I got through about two hours of audio. And so I probably have another like hour or so left. So like maybe a quarter of the book left, but at the point where I'm at, it still hasn't really come together. Oh, and like when you have now. this many characters, I needed to come together sooner. You know what I mean? So there are literally like seven characters at play throughout that first three quarters of the book. Um, I did kind of skim to the end of my actual books. I wanted to see like, do they come together? Like maybe the intention is that they're all separate and they have their different experiences with what's going on in, in Detroit. It's in Detroit, Michigan. Um so, like, I was trying to figure out, like, what the intention was there. So, it does seem like they do all come together in the end. So, I am interested to know, like, how the author, like, kind of melded these seven different characters together. Um, but uh, as a reader, it was really, really challenging to keep track because there was no consistency. You know how sometimes the chapters will be like, this is so-and-so, and then this is so-and-so, and then this is so-and-so. It doesn't do that. And so, like, it's not clear that I've changed what character. And because there are so many of them, I would be like, wait a minute. Who, who is this? Who are they? Because it's been six chapters since they've even come up. Like, so that that was the, basically the thing that I found the hardest. It, like, made it really hard to get into. I did think that the audio was a little bit easier for me um, because then I can multitask too, which is part of it. Like, maybe it's just, like, raging ADD. I don't know. Either way. So, we have seven main characters at play here. They're in Detroit, and there are murders going on in Detroit, and, like, some pretty gross ones. The first chapter is called Bambi because the premise of this book is that the police department has discovered the body of a boy glued to the bottom half of a deer. Somebody's making like a weird centaur. Basically, yeah. So they like find this, yeah, the top half of a of a young black boy. I think he was only like 11 or 12. Um, I think it was 12. And then glued 
to the bottom half of a deer. So that's what's going on in this city. There's a lot happening here. Not all of the characters um, really address what is directly going on in the city. I feel like there's a lot of buildup about who these characters are, which probably is detrimental to how they come together in the end. Mm. But um, so the characters we have at play here are obviously the police. We have a main detective lady, um, Gabby Versado. So she's basically the main character if there was a main character for this book. Um so she's the main detective trying to figure out, like, what the heck is going on with this this murdered boy, right? Because they don't want to cause panic. Um, parents are starting to, like, call the police department and ask, like, should we shut down schools? Like, what do we need to do? Because it's Detroit. And they have a very high murder per capita. Um, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. not a, it's not a safe city. Um, and especially because it's it, he's a young black man, they're they're concerned, like and rightfully so. You know, like there have definitely been serial killers in a lot of major cities that do focus on racially motivated crimes. So I absolutely understand why, like this, the the police are trying to figure out, like, is this going to be serial? Is this going to, you know, I- impact um, our city as a whole as far as like people being afraid and going to work and like, how are we going to manage this? Um, This is so far a one-off, but considering like the glue that was used to adhere the top half to the bottom half, like it basically like melded the proteins. So they're suspecting that this isn't the first time that this has been done. They just don't know about it. Right. So the police during the story are, are on an investigation. They're trying to figure out what's the origin of this? Like who would have had access to this deer half? Um, they're trying to figure out, you know, was the deer alive? Where's the other half of the deer? Where's the other half of the boy? Because they don't find any of these things. Right. And he wasn't left somewhere like in the middle of something. It was kind of like the way it was described sounded like to me, like when like on a lower street, kind of like an overpass, mm-hmm. like where you, you know, like find homeless people or something. And yeah. so there's like, what was he even doing here? You know? So it's this like big mystery. Um, so we have all these other characters at play too, right? Um, and one of the other main characters is Gabby's daughter, Layla, and her best friend, Cass. So Layla and Cass are teenagers who intentionally instigate shit with predators online for enjoyment. Of course they do. I mean, her mom's a cop, so... Yeah. So she thinks that she's super safe and that she knows exactly what she's doing and then she can really do no wrong. Um, I think her friend Cass is definitely a little more into it than she is. There are definitely times where Layla is like, hey, I don't really feel like we should do that. Like, maybe don't make another fake profile. Like, please don't post any super, super weird shit on my computer. Like, I don't really know what Cass's deal is other than we know that she's new to the city. Um, she moved from somewhere else, but it's kind of like a mystery, but she has like some sort of sordid past where like her parents are like very worried about her. Like they're kind of on top of what she's doing. And so we've got a murder investigation going on and they've got these idiot teenage girls who think that they can provoke a sexual predator online and not have any consequences. <laughs> they literally like go on basically what I imagine like, like, uh, like the 4chan was like, where you could just like randomly attach, like connect with somebody on video. Mm-hmm just random right like they do that just for fun they put masks on because you know they're being super smart oh yeah yeah because they can't figure (laughs) it out that it's in detroit who you two girls are like one white girl hanging out with one black girl in detroit in a city where there's only one freaking white girl like 
I can't even, it just drives me absolutely nuts. So these two girls are doing this. They literally end up telling um, this one pedophile velvet boy that they'll meet with him somewhere because they're thinking that they're going to bust him. Right. Like that's their plan. She doesn't involve her mom. She doesn't tell the police. She just thinks that she's going to walk in there and bust him. I'm like, seriously, like, there's absolutely no forethought. So a bunch of idiot girls, um, I'm very concerned about them just kind of running around and doing whatever the heck, especially because they go into this diner to like bust velvet boy. They're wearing the masks that they were wearing when they had first like matched with him or whatever on 4chan equivalent from this book. And um, they like basically pretend to be police, which is uh, honestly illegal. So they like walk into the joint and they like ask the waitress loudly, like, have you seen our pedophile? Like they think they're being funny. Like, I think that's part of what I didn't like about this either is like these characters come up a lot. Like I'm trying to do it in order of like how often they've appeared for me. I'm not necessarily in any chronological order, but the ones who have the most story and it's frustrating, honestly, the fact that they're just so stupid. Like I can't. And like some of it's like, I'm an adult. I'm not a teenager. I get it. Like I teenagers make really bad decisions, but like everything that they've done is just so dangerous. I can't even (laughs) Okay, so that's what Layla and Cass are doing while her mother is investigating a murder. Because her mom doesn't really talk to her about work either. I don't mm-hmm. think they're super close. Um, well, and I mean, I think even teenager. if I was really close, I don't know that I necessarily want to tell I wouldn't tell, tell my, the details. Yeah, my daughter, these gruesome, terrible details, so. Yeah, so, like, maybe she's just, like, so out of the loop that she doesn't realize what she's doing is dangerous, but, like, she acts like she is. Like, they're just old enough to, like, know enough to be a danger to themselves. Mm-hmm. Don't you hate that? So the next character we have at play here, so that's three characters in now, we have Clayton. And so Clayton shows up a lot, and it's very clear from the very beginning, I mean, unless something totally weird happens later on, that Clayton's the murderer. He's, Clayton is, I'm not sure if he's had a schizophrenic break or what, um, but basically he's an older gentleman who has always lived in Detroit, and he's an artist. So when he was younger... He had helped some more like well-known artists in the area with some of their work. And so he he's known enough that like when he goes into galleries, people know who he is, but no one wants any of his work. Basically, he doesn't think he's very good because no one wants him. And he also thinks that there is like an element of ageism going on where they just want the next like new young hip artist, right? Like you hit a certain point where people think you're out of touch just because of your age. Um, and really, you just have more experience and more perspective that they just can't comprehend, which is fine. Like, that's, that's legit. Like, it's a legitimate reason to, like, think your life has been derailed. Um, so Clayton is trying to become, like, part of these art galleries still. Obviously, he, he mostly gets rejected. Um, and he's like, well, obviously, it's, it's the medium. Like, I, I haven't found the thing yet. So he's trying to find a new thing. And his new thing, via it or the dream, which is what he refers to it as in his head, is basically murder. Like, he's trying to bring it to life. So the reason that he, like, used the adhesive that he used was he was literally trying to, like, make the boy fawn dance. Like, he was actually trying to make a centaur. But, like, it's funny because, like, there are chapters where it's Clayton and there's chapters where it's not Clayton. Like, it or the dream will be like, oh, the man knows this street. And so I went along the street and then I saw somebody that was interesting. And so I killed them. So I don't really know how aware Clayton is that this is what he's doing is the other thing. Like, I don't know if he's aware, but Mm -hmm. it's very clear to the reader from early on that like Clayton is having a time. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's not going well for Clayton. Um, I'm not really sure exactly the reason for his de-evolution other than they really just say that like he's just not being successful in his career. And I think that's a bad reason for this kind of progression yeah. of action. Just because like your career is not really going where you want it to go. I don't think the next step is murder personally. Personally, I but it doesn't sound like that yet. But... Right. But it doesn't sound like he has a lot else going on in his life. So his career, I mean, as artists, I've heard that that can be pretty all consuming. So I can, I, I can imagine that that would be pretty devastating. Like we could have started um, out of like a safer hobby, but okay. Yeah, right. Honestly, like pick up, pick up crochet. I don't know. Yeah. Find something else. Pick up welding. Um, He does at one point end up getting um like some of his art actually into a exhibit um but something happens and he like doesn't show up because he's had this mental break and he's off pretty sure he's off killing somebody during this time like i said the chapters don't really overlap they're not really i don't know linear um so i'm pretty sure the reason that he ends up not getting into it is because he's off killing somebody else but i don't think he knows that he didn't get into it because of that like like i said it seems like he's very very confused like he knows that there's something going on and he knows that he's having these like blackouts basically but he doesn't know what he's doing during them and so i'm really interested to know like that's like the one thing that i want to know is like how like does he know like Mm -hmm. that's like the one thing that has like kept me hanging on this long honestly (laughs) like i want to know um because i mean there's no mystery about who did it like he obviously did it it's just a matter of why and how Okay, so Clayton is off going doing his his crazy shit. But then we also have Jono and Jen Q. So Jono is like an older man who wants to be like a reporter, writer, but basically everything that could be written about Detroit has already been written. So he's decided, I guess I'll start trying to do like documentary videos. He's not really equipped for this. He's not very good on camera, um, but he ended up hooking up with this like Gen Q lady who's like a DJ who's 15 years younger than him with like dreadlocks and like she's supposed to be super gorgeous and hip right Mm -hmm. so she's like helping him like try to discover Detroit so while these murders are going on like he's going around filming and like talking about historical areas um in Detroit and then like other like murders and things that have happened in the area because he's trying to find some unique angle but Jono's clearly struggling to find anything because I can't even remember a single line of something that he specifically <laughs> said. Um, but basically the gist of it is that like he's, he feels like he hasn't found the thing, but that there's something here to find and report on and it's like to be the one to uncover it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen Q just kind of tags along. Honestly, I don't really know who she is. She doesn't get her own chapters. Jono just is part of her own chapter. Yeah. And then we have our last person who is TK. And so TK is a homeless man in Detroit who pretty much just scavenges. So him and his friends, um, there's a lot of people who are leaving Detroit, like just like the banks are foreclosing on homes or because they're afraid they're just leaving. And so him and his friends, basically what his job is, is he scopes out the houses. And then once those people are gone, he sends his friends some sort of message and then they all come and then they find things in the houses. So I'm wondering if he's going to find something that's gonna like tell him or he's just gonna encounter everybody else because he's somewhere where he's not supposed to be Mm -hmm. um that's what i think his role is here but really what tk's job is is like he pretty much is there to like protect the unprotected like the homeless people of detroit um he's got a ton of different friends and he's always talking about like how he basically would like give anyone like the shirt off of his own back like he found brand new shoes but 
his friend's shoes were worse than his shoes. So he gave his friend the nice new shoes, like, even though he wanted them. Like, TK's, like, super nice. He hasn't ha been in a lot yet. I've only seen him in a couple of chapters, so I don't really know his whole story. Um, but that's my guess is where his role is going to be in this whole thing. He's going to stumble upon something that's going to lead to the police. Um, there are additional murders outside of Bambi's murder. And the police start interviewing people like taxidermists because they're like, well, maybe he's trying to do taxidermy, mm. like some freaky taxidermy. But taxidermists were like, no, this is just a monster. Like, that's not taxidermy. Like, they, they get into a lot of the details about how taxidermy works, which I thought was kind of interesting. Talk about, like, making the casts and then, like, having to, like, carefully like slide the skin onto the cast and then like what they can do to like maintain like pause if it was like a mouse or animal or something mm -hmm. like so that was pretty interesting so you kind of get to learn a lot about like anatomy um they end up talking to this like really fancy restaurant because they trace the adhesive back to this restaurant that does this like weird gastronomy for rich people basically where it's like <laughs> turducken but they can actually like meld the proteins together so that's what this adhesive adhesive is like it's literally edible and they'll use it in their foods in order to make like super weird fancy multi-meat things and like it's not a controlled substance so anybody can access it so it's like okay so how did clayton get access to this <laughs> how is he like getting away with it so far because he's obviously not cognizant enough to cover up for himself it's just mm -hmm. like I just have so many questions, but also nothing gets answered. Um, considering I'm three quarters of the way through, I would think I would have more information by now, but maybe that's the beauty of it. Maybe that's why this book was good for other people and someone thought it was a thriller of the year is because maybe in that last hundred chapters, like sometimes happens, it really comes together. Mm -hmm. It was just very hard for me with so many characters to keep it straight in my brain. And then it got to the point where it was just frustrating when it would change chapters because it's just not clear. Mm -hmm. Um I might just like 1.5 times through it just to figure out like who like those, you know, questions. Um, but I honestly don't know if I'm going to finish it. Uh, I don't think I can give it a star rating because I didn't actually get to the part where everyone melds together and it seems unfair to the author. So okay. I will not give them a star rating. Um, I think there is definitely like a basis for there to be like a pretty solid book here. I just would like more information and for it to be clear like more clearly laid out yeah but <laughs> that's yeah, the I, only problem i'm wondering if like that's part of what is like supposed to make it kind of like unsettling or hypnotic if that's, whatever stephen king's right. word was if it's like had, you don't even know where you're coming from and yeah and like yeah. who was even talking like oh i thought it was this person so like if it's supposed to be like a what's yeah. going on if that was what the author was going for i don't know that's fine it's just not a vibe for me i yeah. prefer much more linear like mm -hmm. clearly labeled chapters like tell me what's happening yeah or only have like two point of views where it's really obvious yeah like, i've done that one where yeah they don't tell you who it is but you're like oh these are like but there's only two or three main characters not seven and they're all set in like very different locations or something where like one person right. is like in the past and i'm like okay i obviously know who we're talking about now or they clearly divvy it up where it's like one person one person mm -hmm. one person one person and not like three chapters of this person then one chapter and then one chapter then two chapters and one chapter i'm like what is going on yeah like yeah i feel like was that was very very intentional but that's definitely a, a, i agree a certain style you have to be okay with i think i mean it's called so. broken monsters so it makes sense that it's supposed to feel kind of fragmented and pieced together um like i said it just makes it really hard especially when i you know i'll spend like maybe an hour chunk of time reading like i maybe if i just sat down and read one day just like just read Mm, like yeah. from the beginning before getting to the point where I got frustrated it might have been easier I think yeah. once I got to the point where I was frustrated though it made it hard 
yeah because then you already kind of have that mindset and then you just said this is, yeah no that's fair yeah but well, i mean we tried stephen king cannot, i really tried he cannot be trusted i think that's what i think the moral of the story of this episode is stephen maybe that's king. what we should title it <laughs> that'll be the subtitle the king cannot be trusted maybe yeah <laughs> um next episode though we are going to try and be scared again like actual scared not like like, real scared not like heebie-jeebies or confusion what is going on mayhem scared but like fear like a book that keeps us up at night literally not because we're reading it but because we can't sleep with shadows so we'll see i'm not holding out any hope to be perfectly honest we have some scary mini episodes this month too. So we're just going to really pack it in and maybe something's yeah. going to stick you guys. And maybe there'll be enough of them all shoved together that ultimately one of them will be like, okay, well, this was freaky because this kind of other book was on my mind. And now here I am. There it you go. Happen. We'll see. It could happen. Uh, yeah. So be sure to come back, check out those. Uh, like Rachel said, we have the minis too. So that's super exciting. Um, rate, review, subscribe, all the things. Tell your friends. I'm sure you all know our socials is Instagram, Mr. Pastor by Time, and Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod. You can also check out our website, isn't it pastorbedtime.com to see what's in the archives, what we've talked about in the past, and what's coming up next. Yeah, but that's it, everyone. Um, let us know if you think the king has ever actually reviewed a book and you agreed. We'd love to hear that. But bring it. Yeah, that's all we got. So we'll talk to everyone later. Bye, everyone. Hi.